like a snowman mug. <laughs> oh man, I am so sweaty already. <sighs> Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. gang what is happening i am mal foster and you are listening to your third favorite above average but infinitely curious podcast dined out and do we have a treat for you this week it's not a guest episode it is just me but it's me having an experience which hopefully means that you guys will kind of have an experience as well i guess hopefully Truth be told, I actually want to do more episodes like this. This is kind of harking back to some of the stuff I was doing with the Ramble On podcast, which I found is no longer available because the server it was hosted on has shut its doors and uh, I can't get access to any of those old files. So I'm actually trying to find a workaround with that. But uh, I'm getting off track here. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an experience episode in the sense that I'm going out and actually doing something and there's going to be field recordings. Now, the thing that I'm doing in at the time of recording in just under an hour is uh, I'm going to my very first rage Standard room. You might be thinking, what the hell is a rage room? But really, it is doing exactly what it says on the tin. Room in which you can vent all of your rage. It's filled with things that are smashable and breakable that you can go in and you can smash and you can break. So if you've always wanted to go ape, as it were, and replicate the beginning of 2001, a space odyssey minus, you know, the bones of your fellow kin or the bones of anything, really, you want to replace the bones with, I don't know, like a, a, a VCR Alton collection of Charles and Camilla uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they've actually got in there. I really will be surprised if I turn up at this rage room and there is any sort of uh, Monarch-based Royal Dalton sets. I'm hoping there will be. That would be an added bonus, but I really don't think they're going to have any of that in there. I first discovered rage rooms when I was doing a little bit of primary research into scream therapy, which is something I did want to cover on the podcast at some point and still might do. Um, I was looking into Scream Therapy and found a thing called the Scream Room, and then that led me to, via the, the rabbit hole of the internet, to Rage Rooms, or Smash Rooms, it's called. And it really seemed to be tapping into the same sort of principle as Scream Therapy, the idea of a condensed release of pent-up emotion, of sort of purging a lot of anger, a lot of turmoil, a lot of issues, um in a in a reasonably healthy way. I mean, this isn't like, I'm not advocating this as a <laughs> legit, genuine form of therapy because I'm not a professional. I don't know if this is just a pseudoscience, if this is something that is psychologically beneficial to people. I, I don't have the standing to say that one way or another from a legit uh, standpoint. All I can do is offer my own perspective, hence the experience of this experience-based episode. 
So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I feel like this actually could be pretty healthy for me because, you know, over the years, and I've documented my mental health journey on the show a little bit, but over the years, I have kind of filtered between just real deep sadness and depression, a real sense of disconnect, and just unbridled anger at the smallest of things. And I, you know, I've talked about different sort of alternative therapies and different practices and processes and mental health is kind of a reoccurring theme on Dined Out. So it kind of made sense to pursue this. And as I say, I think from my personal perspective, not speaking in a general term, but from my personal perspective, I feel like this actually could be quite beneficial. Not in a long-term, lasting, permanent or indelible way at all. But I mean, just like in a cathartic sense, like I'm not expecting to go to the rage room, come back and feel hunky-dory, like that's all I've needed all this time. But I do feel like it has the potential to have a genuine cathartic release. Admittedly, I am actually a little bit nervous about going. Not about doing the the smashing (laughs) and the breaking of things, because there's nothing really to be nervous about that. I have booked a solo session. Because, I mean, if you're going to go and do this by yourself, you don't want to be kind of lumped in with other people that are doing it by themselves. Things could turn ugly, and also it would just be really incredibly awkward, you know? <laughs> so I've, I've booked a session to do all the smashing and breaking by myself for half an hour. Yeah, it's not the experience, it's not the actual doing it that I'm a little bit nervous about. It's actually going out and doing something. This is in a phase where I'm starting to kind of get out and see the the wider world of my surroundings a little bit more. I'm doing new things by myself for the first time in a long time. And it's all a little bit new again, as it were. I, I definitely think my social anxiety is kind of playing uh, with me a little bit on this, even though just going to a room by myself to smash the shit out of things isn't exactly the most social activity, it's the the aspect of, of going out and doing something with a purpose, going to somewhere new by myself, kind of expanding my horizons here, is, is a little bit overwhelming. And that sense kind of creates a sort of contradiction of sorts, because I want to be doing this, I want to be getting out there, I want to kind of get to know my surroundings more, I want to get to have favourite places and, and know where it's good to go and to do new things and try new things and just basically immerse myself in a world which really hasn't been that accessible at all over the last two years. I really want to do that because I feel that will be a huge benefit to me as a person and my mental health journey. But it's the, it's the uncertainty, it's the, uh, it's the social anxiety, it's the, the newness of it all again, which is a little bit, as I say, overwhelming. And uh, yeah... <laughs> It's weird, it sounds stupid, but it's not really. If I'm being fair to myself, if I'm being kind to myself, it's not stupid. It's kind of normal, I think. But this will help. I think this will definitely help. As I say, not in the long term, but in terms of, of a general cathartic release, I think this will be uh, be good. Or at the very least, strange. <laughs> Alright guys, so I'm here, safe and sound, outside of the Rage Room, which uh, is worryingly placed between a bar (laughs) and a gun store. Yeah, what could go wrong there? 
Um, yeah, a bar and a gun stop. Probably the most Texas-centric combination you could think of to include in a little strip mall. Uh, yeah, rage room, gun store, bar, Burger King, and a discount supermarket across the road. Everything you could ever want, all in one place. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going in. I'm curious as to what the setup's like and uh, what I will have to smash. I did contemplate putting on some mood music, uh, some Bronx, some Slayer, some Incendiary, um, that last Code Orange album, maybe, to kind of set the mood, get me uh, in in the right headspace. But I thought, no, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to just kind of tap into some natural anger, going to tap into some surface-level stuff that makes me mad. You know, pricks that drive around with their phone in their hand. Uh, those twats that hang outside of abortion clinics protesting a woman's right to do whatever the fuck she wants with her body. Those surface-level things will definitely be touchstones for the rage room, but I'm also going to try and dig a little bit deeper as well and, and make this genuinely an authentic experience, hopefully a genuinely authentic, cathartic experience. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess I'll go in now, and I'll, I'll see you guys in there, as it were. I'm going to try and do some video stuff for this, by the way, as well. So it's not going to be strictly audio, because really I don't know how interesting the sound of like a tea kettle being smashed is. But, I don't know, maybe that's your thing. Anyway, I'm going in now. So, I should have probably said this beforehand, but there is obviously going to be some smashing noises in the rest of this episode, periodically, but to kind of save your ears, I am turning the volume down on them dramatically in post-production, because, yeah, I mean, that's not going to be pleasant to listen to. It's also just going to be very sort of sporadic. It's not going to be like another 15 minutes of me just wailing on breakable objects and just the sound of utter destruction in your ears. It's, it's going to be sporadic and, and specifically chosen moments. So when I got there, I decided against kind of doing a running commentary while I was doing it, because I felt like if I'm more distracted with presenting, as it were, and, and actually documenting as I'm doing it, I'm really kind of pulling myself out the immersive quality of the experience. I'm more focused on making something, on presenting a podcast and actually being in the moment and sort of enjoying the experience or feeling the experience. So there really isn't a great deal of me talking during my time in the rage room. It's It was more a case of that I would do it like this, a sort of post-event analysis of sorts. So I get to the rage room and I go in and, you know, explain who I am. I've got an appointment at two o'clock, formal greetings and what have you. The guy behind the desk has me sign a waiver, which is kind of understandable because it is a little bit dangerous. He's basically just saying, uh, look, I know that there is a sort of risk factor involved here with breaking stuff with weapons. And that's exactly what it was with, uh, as he then showed me post waiver signing into the sort of prep room, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, he told me that things in there you couldn't smash. Um, I'm guessing that maybe they've had issues with people just kind of being a little bit too gung-ho and 
maybe too fueled by their own testosterone that they couldn't wait to get in the room and maybe have smashed someone's favourite coffee mug. I'm not entirely sure, but he's like, don't smash anything in here. He did say, though, do help yourself to some free water or fizzy pop in the fridge. Uh, grab yourself some goggles. That is definitely a must. We need you to wear goggles. Uh, there are some overalls if you want to do that as well. That's optional, but the goggles are a definite must. Uh, and then when you've done that, uh, have a look in this, this massive steel barrel and pick which weapons you want to use. And it was a collection of uh, baseball bats, aluminium ones, uh, hammers, sledgehammers, uh, what looked like exhaust tailpipes that had been fashioned into some sort of melee weapon. Um, yeah, just a collection of bats and hammers and just cylindrical things that you can hit stuff with, some of which were, uh, how's, how's the best way to put it, well-seasoned in the sense that they looked like they were falling to bits. <laughs> you know, they were well-worn with cracks and just quite a bit of battle damage. Like, those things have seen some stuff that if they could talk, I'm sure they probably wouldn't because they would be terrified to even say a word. They they were not in the best of conditions, is what I'm trying to say. So, goggles on and weapons selected, which, if you're wondering, was a small hammer and a sort of scrappy-looking aluminium baseball bat. I did initially opt for a sledgehammer, and I kind of wish I'd taken that in with me as well, but hey, you know, it is what it is. So, armed with a hammer <laughs> and a bat, sounds so fucking strange, uh, I, I went into my rage room. Uh, the guy kind of gave me a quick sort of uh, do's and don'ts. Mainly the don'ts were don't hit the walls, don't break my plexiglass window, uh, which, by the way, was joined to what looked like a spectator's room. There were like leather couches in there, so if you don't want to go and smash stuff, you can watch people smash stuff, I guess. Or maybe take it in turns if you've got a large group. I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. I don't know if there is a market for people that like to sort of partake in this, but in a voyeuristic sense. Or if it is just a case of like, well, we can only fit so many people in this room. Come to think of it, it probably is the latter, because the room itself was reasonably small and also really grotty and grungy, uh, as I was hoping. You know, suitably grotty uh, rage room, because you don't really want it all dolled up nice and pretty. You don't want nice floral patterns in there. You want sort of industrial-looking walls um, and just basically a room that looks like it could be used in a Saw movie, but, you know, with graffiti on the walls. And uh, one of those baseball tees, you know, that they kind of get kids to train with. It's like a little stand and you put the the baseball on it. They had one of those, a crate of bottles and uh, a shelf, like a shelf unit, which the guy was very adamant in his sort of do's and don'ts. One of his massive don'ts was don't break my shelf. He even wrote it on the top of the shelf. Um, and yet he used it to store most of the things you would smash, which did actually include a lot of crockery. We're not talking Royal Dalton here. There was no Royal Dalton. It was more the kind of stuff that people may buy you for Christmas, which, it, you know, it seems fancy, but it's a bit shit, and you don't really want it, so you donate it somewhere, like a rage rube, I guess. I mean, that's a good idea, right? This coming Christmas, <laughs> you get something you really don't want in your house. I'm sure they will gladly take any willful donations you may have around the holiday season. 
mug, the snowman mug. <laughs> oh man, I am so sweaty already. Yeah, there was actually quite a bit of Christmas crockery on there. I'm just looking at a photo that I took beforehand because I did have, as, as eager as I was to get in there and just start laying waste to stuff, uh, I did have the foresight to take a before picture and then an after. And I'm just looking at it now. I will throw it actually up on the the internet. Yeah, that place. I'll throw it up on the socials over on Instagram at I am Mal Foster, you can find it. You'll find a whole bunch, actually. I'll do a photo set for you to see, uh, as well as there being some video footage as well, which I'll throw up on the YouTube thing. But yeah, just looking at this photo here of the shelf unit, there is uh, at least two snowmen cups. In fact, I think there's a whole snowman sort of set there. Again, just uh, going to the idea that someone's got that for Christmas and not wanted it. Um, we've got some glasses which have got holly on it and one's got like a Christmas pudding on it and, and just stuff like that. Some glasses, some vodka bottles, um, what looks like a very sort of cheap looking vase, a jingle all the way candle holder. Yeah, just a lot of glassware, a lot of crockery on the top two shelves of the shelving unit. And so, yeah, it was just a case of armed with my hammer and my bat. I just went to town on it. I was just absolutely braying the stuffing out of the Christmas crockery or throwing the hammer at the uh, at the shelf, which did admittedly put the guy's shelf at a little bit more risk than usual. It's weird because as much as, as it really was a sense of just letting go and just breaking things and not having to worry about paying for them, there was like a slight sense of concern and maybe it's just general respect maybe it's just the way my mum raised me I don't know but like I really took to heart not to damage this guy's shelf so even though I was just launching a hammer at it I was really <laughs> I was trying to aim for the items I wasn't trying to aim at the shelf and I was kind of being as mindful as you can be when throwing a hammer at something not to break it if that makes any sense yeah, it just in the back of my head, I wasn't just going into a blind rage. I was kind of trying somewhat to be respectful of the man's shelf unit. Weirdly enough, I was also trying to be organised. I was trying to kind of get all of the damage in one half of the room so that I didn't stand on glass because there was a shit ton of glass. And again, if you look at the pictures, if you go over to the Instagram, um, you'll you'll see just how much glass was, was left at the end. And... Uh, yeah, I was trying, understandably, not to stand in any of it. I'm going to try and keep it all to one side so I'm not stepping in glass everywhere. I should have thought about this and picked some more sensible shoes. <laughs> yeah, I should have gone for a more sensible shoe choice. Yeah, I, I really, really should have. I didn't opt for something like, you know, heavy-duty boots. That would, I don't know, be a bit more resilient to a carpet of glass. No, I went with some some slip-ons. <laughs> some soft-soled canvas slip-ons. Yeah, not exactly the best footwear for um, smashing things in. But, you know, I wanted to be comfortable. Yeah, so there's one complaint from a customer's perspective, and I totally understand why they do this uh, in terms of making money, of being a business. They offered you upsells, so they gave you a little bit 
of stuff to smash. I mean, there was a, there was a decent amount of stuff to smash, but they also, as I say, offered upsells where you could for an additional fee. And I think they had like a scale system. I think it was like five dollars to twenty five, depending on what it was. You could get a car windshield. You could get an old TV. I think you could get computer monitors, stuff like that that were bigger and and more of a of a target area for you to just kind of vent your rage on. Uh, I didn't opt for any of those because it was reasonably expensive as it was. It was $40 for 30 minutes. Yeah, if it was in a group, if it was a group activity, then I might have splurged a little bit. I might have treated the group to a TV screen or an old computer monitor. But um, just for myself, no, I was all right with what I had. So I had the, the crockery, the glassware and stuff. But I also had like a ring of tyres and a metal disc. I think would be the best way of describing it. It was like a fairly sturdy metal disc, which you could just absolutely bray the the tar out of with your chosen weapons. So I did that for a little bit, which, if you're wondering, sounds like this. Again, at the time, it was obviously louder, but because I don't want to blow your ears out, I have turned the volume down. So, yeah, you had glassware, you had crockery, you had metal to just absolutely go to town on. And, and that was enough for me. By the end of the 30-minute the session, I actually kind of felt a bit spent. Yeah, like half an hour is a good amount of time for raging, I think. You know, controlled, reasonably safe raging uh, can be well achieved in half an hour. I think any more, and it would have just kind of felt a bit like diminishing returns. What I will say about the whole experience in the rage room is that one, it is a physical workout. I was sweating cobs. I was drenched from all the smashing and crashing and clanging and banging, from hoying hammers at shelves to smashing a baseball bat against a stack of tyres. I felt like I had had a physical workout by the end of it. And that in itself was actually very cathartic because it's uh, <laughs> it's an unstructured, unbridled piece of physicality that you're throwing yourself into for 30 minutes and that felt good the other thing that i'll say about the experience is that it really did feel like an emotional release it really did feel like a cathartic release once i'd kind of got myself out of the headspace of like is the microphone going to be all right stood there you know the logistics of, of actually capturing audio which took a couple of minutes once i got into out of that and into the actual experience itself and I got myself immersed in just the, the primal swinging and smashing and clattering just like the mindless violent outpouring it became a real cathartic release it got the endorphins just flying and it felt like a high it just it felt really good like adrenaline was pumping I could feel my heart going it was it was brilliant it was brilliant for those 30 minutes. However, the rest of the day was the complete opposite. With the high came the come down, and it didn't hit for a little while. It wasn't until really, I had a couple of jobs to do after that, a couple of errands to run. And then by the time I got home, and it was back to kind of a more sedentary afternoon, evening, where nothing you're doing has reached that peak, nothing you're doing for the rest of the day is anywhere near that level, it's like it just becomes inverted, where 
going through that 30 minutes of smashing and crashing and clanging and banging and just mindless, violent release was just like the peak. And you weren't thinking about anything you were just doing. I was tapping into things that really pissed me off and just purging. And it felt amazing. But because I wasn't doing that and I had nowhere to put stuff, it's like it all kind of crawled back inside me. And I had one of the most down afternoons, evenings and nights I've had for a while. It really was like a hard come down. Like, I got really emotional and insular, and to put it in perspective, to give you a good idea and a great contrast from all of the smashing, all of the obliteration of the crockery on that guy's shelf and just willful carnage, that was contrasted in the evening by the fact that I watched When Harry Met Sally and had a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream to myself. Yeah, like a heartbroken teenager. It was... It's weird, man, just a weird dichotomy, weird contrast. So on that basis, would I recommend a rage room? Uh, yes, and at the same time, no, because for those 30 minutes, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. But if you are not particularly in a good headspace to begin with, and maybe that's what it is, maybe that's where the come down came from. I don't know if it's going to be the same for anybody else. It would actually be really interesting to hear from anyone that has visited a rage room or a smash room if you've had a similar experience or if the rest of your day was was alright, if it actually improved your day. I kind of felt like it might have been the case of my day being improved. Like, I've I've had that, I've purged it, I've got a lot of stuff out of my system and then it kind of clears the, the sort of clouds from the sky as it were, but no, it didn't. But I would be really curious for anybody that's actually partaken in this to let me know how they found it as an experience and then how the rest of their day went. Before I set off, I'm going to have to shake my shoes out because there's probably glass in them. There was glass everywhere. I'm going to have to give my shoes a bit of a whack. This is audio gold for you right now. Don't say that. This isn't high-end stuff. Actually, no, my shoes are all right. Do you know what? I'll still give them a whack just to be on the safe side. There you go. How about that for a little treat at the end of the episode? Uh, yeah, that was my experience with the Rage Room. Um, It was fun. It was a fun 30 minutes. It was cathartic. It did feel like a genuine high. The endorphins, as I said, were going. But the real fascinating bit for me is the after part. You know, I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, it wasn't very pleasant, but it was genuinely fascinating to see how my brain kind of switched gears very dramatically. And as I said, if you've experienced a rage room, if you've done this, either solo or in a group, I imagine it's different in a group because you've got that interactive element. Um, but yeah, if you've done this, especially if you've done it in a solo capacity, I would really love to hear from you guys on uh, how you found the experience and then how you found life after the rage room. The best way to do that is to get in touch with me via Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at I am Mal Foster. We do have a Dimed Out Facebook page. It doesn't really get used that much, but you can go and check it out if that's your sort of social media thing of choice. Links to all of those and plenty of other stuff will be in the show notes. So if you scroll down there, you'll be able to get onto those social media platforms. Give us a follow. You'll be able to see some of the visual stuff that I managed to get from the Rage Room, some photos, some video, etc. And just kind of keep up to date 
with what the show has done so far in this season and what we have planned in the forthcoming weeks, which links me nicely to next week's episode. And next week's episode is a guest episode, and the guest in question is Mr. Mercer Blackwell. Mercer, apart from having just a just metal AF name, let's be honest, Mercer Blackwell is metal as fuck. <laughs> Besides having that name, Mercer is a bizarrist, which is a term that I hadn't encountered until I found Mercer on the internet. Um, and he's a TikTok personality, which, you know, I'll be honest, can't say that I was expecting to have one of those on the show at any time, really. But hey, there's room for everybody here at Dimed Out. We're going to mainly be talking about his bizarrism, though. So, yeah, it's weird and it's kind of wonderful and very sweet and absurd and gross in some capacities. So I'm giving you fair warning if you do get a little bit gippy about the idea of things being put into people's faces or people swallowing, say, coat hangers or swords, then, yeah, maybe next week, I don't know. I said, well, no, do you know what? Be brave. Challenge yourself. If you do find yourself a bit gippy about those kind of things, it's, it's all right. We don't go into excruciatingly gross detail. But, um, yeah, we do kind of get into it a little bit. But, yeah, if you do find yourself a bit... Ugh, about that sort of stuff. Challenge yourself. Be a big, brave dog. Do it. Do it. But that is next week's episode. As for this week's episode, well, we're pretty much done. As usual, here comes the gubbins about going subscribing and stuff. If you haven't, then uh, please do so. It does help. It helps with the internet algorithms and all that sort of, you know, digital magic and celestial razzmatazz. Whatever it is that powers a podcast success, it helps with that stuff, apparently. So, yeah, if you haven't subscribed to the show, go do so. You can find us, at presumably, wherever you're listening to this episode and various other podcast platforms. We're pretty much everywhere at this point, which is good. Um, yeah, do that and uh, make sure you tune in for next week with Mercer. Uh, other than that, look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time, keep it dined out. Mm-hmm.